anyone can invest. And I will tell you this, America is flowing with milk and honey and it's the land of opportunities, mm-hmm. literally speaking. You can literally buy a duplex for $0 down. And Google this thing, a NACA loan, N-A-C-A. Get that loan. It might take a process, but you literally, you don't have to come out of pockets from anything like an FHA loan, which you have to put 3.5% down. But with a NACA loan, you don't have to do any of that. So I don't see an excuse why anyone can invest. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. What's up, everybody? Let's take a quick minute and talk about Rent Ready. Are you new to house hacking and wondering how you find tenants and collect rent, especially while trying to maintain professional boundaries and a shared living space? Rent Ready can help you manage your house hack setup. For less than $9 a month, you can do it all. Fill rooms quickly with sites like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist with a free professionally designed listing page. Find high quality tenants with TransUnion certified background checks, electronically send, signed, and store leases, and collect rent for the entire lease or set up month-to-month charges. For your tenants, they use RentReady's app to complete the application, sign their lease, and pay you rent. They can even submit maintenance requests from the app instead of knocking on your door. Even better, RentReady is unlimited, so you don't have to pay per unit or per tenant. Just one flat price, which puts more money in your pocket. And speaking of putting more money in your pocket, RentReady has given our listeners a discount to get 50% off any RentReady plan when you sign up using our special code SUCCESS at RentReady.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using code SUCCESS for 50% off any RentReady plan. All right, let's get back to the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining. Real quick, before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know that we have a free download available in the description of the show notes. It is the guide to house hacking called the House Hacking Blueprint. If you want to learn how house hacking works, go download that guide and you can start learning right away. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast. Today we have Odafi Jero on the show. We're super excited to have you on the show today. This is going to be an awesome episode. You have a very cool background and I can't wait to get into talking about your house hack and what you got planned for the future. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? True. I'm doing wonderful. Can we start off? Can you tell us a little bit about your background and share a little bit about your story with the listeners? So basically, I'm originally from Nigeria. I immigrated to the U.S. in 2011 as a student. I first went to Louisiana. I majored in electrical engineering, got done with that, then moved to uh, Tucson, Arizona for my master's also in electrical engineering. Got done with that. Then I got a job in Phoenix and moved to Phoenix. A little bit about my secular background. Awesome. And then when did you start house hacking? Was it when you moved to Phoenix? So basically after I moved to Phoenix, I started working, took a year off. I started getting knowledge, reading a lot of books, listening to lots of podcasts. Then I got my first job in 2019. Then I started house hacking in September of 2020. Okay. Very cool. And how did you end up learning about house hacking? Was it something that someone taught you? Was it just like kind of an idea that clicked? So, so basically at my job, I talked to a lot of people. I like to hang out with older people. So I met this guy. He was uh, into real estate, but let's backtrack a little bit. So basically when I first got my first job, I started thinking about my future. I spent some late nights and I'm a numbers guy. So I like to calculate. So I calculated how much I'll be making with respect to 401k and thinking about retirement because definitely we're all going to retire. So I discovered that I might not be having a lot of money. So I started looking for different avenues 
revenues to make money and to have enough money during retirement. So I talked to my CPA. He was like buying bonds and no, no government bonds, blah, blah, blah. Then at my job, I talked to someone else that's quite older. He told me that I should buy a house and rent out unit uh, by the room or by the units. So he explained everything to me about house hacking, but that didn't stop then. And I still also spoke to someone else and introduced me to a podcast that I usually listen to. Then from there, I started reading up on it and I gained more, a lot of knowledge. Awesome. Very cool. And then once you learned about house hacking and just real estate investing, decided that that was the route you're going to go. What did the game plan look like? What did you have to do to actually get started and get it moving forward? So basically, the game plan I took was basically saving a lot of money. At first, I was dumb. I wanted to put 20% down. Saving was, I won't lie to you, it was very hard to save 20% down for a house here in Phoenix because the houses are a lot of expensive, like around $70,000. So basically, I started asking questions, listening to people, and I, I was told about the FHA loan. As at that period, and I researched it, I discovered it was actually good. And one thing I noticed, because I like to play with numbers, is the rates of FHA loans, they are usually lower than the conventional loans. And even if you're paying uh, the uh, mortgage insurance, the difference between a conventional loan and an FHA loan is usually under 50 bucks. So I saved up a lot of money for, uh, not a lot, though, quite like around $11,000. Let me just be specific in numbers. Then I got an agent's then put an offer on a, a duplex and it was accepted and I closed on the home. Very cool. And then when you were looking for that property, you know, what was that experience like? Did you have to make a lot of offers? Did you have to go through a lot of just viewings? Was it a lot of work? So making an offer, it was kind of hectic a little bit because I was just at the uh, the start of the COVID era and uh, people weren't selling their homes. So I made a total of three offers. One guy accepted. So the first offer I made, it was, then I, I wasn't really sensible. So I didn't know how to analyze my market properly. So I think I'll call the area like D neighborhood. I made an offer on a D neighborhood and it was a three bedroom, two bedroom, both units. So the person, the agent wanted, the agent was a Sell the seller also. She wanted 280. Offered 280, no consensions and everything. But I think someone else beat me and she went for the person. Then, like three or four days later, I get a call back from my agent telling me that you can get the house yourself. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, nah, I'm no longer interested. Then the second one I made an offer with on was like two months later. I basically understood my markets. Then I started looking for like a B class, B minus, B plus neighborhood. Then I made an offer. It was a triplex. It's all two ones. Real nice place. I was out B. Uh, like almost ten thousand dollars then the final one came the one i actually got came in like two weeks after the, uh, the second one i made an offer right on the money and I, my offer was accepted in three days i think the seller just wanted to get out of the market so it went really good for me and i would say i was fortunate because during the inspection and whatnot i saw a lot of things that made me want to back out when i communicated this to, from my agents to the seller the agent was like that's fine if you back out someone else will pay cash for it without any <laughs> contingencies so i ended up closing on it so it's it was not that stressful. It was just like a fly on your skin. You just hit it off, something like that. Awesome. Cool. So when you moved into that property, you mentioned to me before the podcast that you inherited some tenants. What was that like for you? Was there any challenges with inheriting tenants when you moved into the property? Basically, there were some challenges down the line, but the main thing in this business is your tenant paying rents. There are two main things, your tenant paying rents, one, and the other thing, your tenant not destroying your property. So basically, they were very good rent payers, which is what I liked. And so they didn't really destroy the property a lot. And the other thing I kind of noticed later on down the line is that they went against their lease. 
and they brought a, a little chihuahua in, into the house. So I was kind of scared about it and being not a confrontational person, I didn't want to uh, go talk to them about it. But I gave myself this inclination that, man, if someone is messing with my savings account or my 401k or my future, whatever, definitely just not look the other way. So I looked at my duplex as a 401k. So I went to talk to the tenant and he was kind of really sympathetic about it. Like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't know I broke the list, blah, blah, blah. You know how tenants talk. And I gave him like uh, 10 days to get the dog out of the house, and which he actually complied. So, but it was something and it was interesting too. Awesome. Yeah. So as far as the lease, how long have those tenants been in there? Did you ever have to renew the lease with them or did you inherit the lease that was already existing? So basically in Phoenix, you inherit the lease that's ex- already existing. And after inheriting the land, their lease literally stipulated that they shouldn't have a pet in the house, but they went against it. So I still also find them at the end of the day though. So when it came time to renew the lease, the tenants, I think he was mad about the dog issue and he decided to back out to buy a house. So he ended up buying a house. Then I put the house on the market to get a new tenant. Cool. And then what was that experience like finding new tenants? Was it pretty easy for you? Honestly, it wasn't easy. As in, when I was putting it on the market, I was so nervous that it wouldn't even ring. That was my initial fear. I was thinking that, mm-hmm. oh man, I might come up, I might have to start coming up with the mortgage from my pocket. And I didn't really want that to happen. So a little faith and placing on the market. Then uh, in five days, funny enough, I got the tenants. A tenant that met all my requirements, yeah, is uh, three three times the income, good credits, good job, good everything. I got a tenant in five days, which was very shocking. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And what do the numbers look like for this house hack? Is the other unit, is that covering 100% of your mortgage or are you still throwing in some change? So basically, this is a duplex. And uh, in most duplex, it's a 2-1-2-1 book unit. It's, going, it's very hard to find duplex that covers all your mortgage completely mm-hmm. here in Phoenix. So I come out with around 500 and something, some change out of pocket so as to meet my mortgage but compared to what I was paying for in rent before if I was still renting I would probably be paying almost 13, 13 $1,400 in rent so basically I have almost a $900 give or take into my pocket for myself very cool yeah I see the same thing too with duplexes like mm-hmm. the one I'm in it's not covering 100% of the mortgage it actually if I lived in the cheaper unit you know the not as nice unit it would be covering all but like $50 but because I have a wife and stepdaughter we're living in the bigger unit to be a little bit more comfortable. So it's, you know, covering all but about 250. And that's kind of the case with a lot of duplexes too, especially when the units are the same size. In my case, one unit is a couple hundred square feet smaller than the other. And that's why I would be able to cover all the mortgage if I rented out the nicer unit. But when you get to duplexes that are like side by side or the same size, a lot of times you're going to find what me and you are both seeing and that it's not necessarily going to cover 100% of your mortgage. But when you compare that to what it would cost to just be paying a full mortgage or paying rent in that market, it's a significant savings. So also there's still another funny significant savings that I didn't mention earlier is the tax benefits. So let me just put a, a give a little bit uh, detail, go a little bit detail with respect to tax benefits. So basically, there's a depreciation which the IRS allows you to take which I'm very sure you know about so after I bought my duplex 2021 I filed my taxes I was literally to owe the government and that's not a good position to be so because my CPA he's also into real estate so he did it in a way that's just my W2 income and included my real estate income so with my W2 income I was owed the government so when he now included my real estate income man I got a chunk back I was smiling to the back so it's that's another <laughs> added benefit of owning real estate it just makes you money too yeah absolutely. I mean, there's so many benefits, you know, when you get the cash flow, all the tax benefits, Mm -hmm. the potential appreciation, you know, you never count on it, but it's just kind of the cherry on top. And then other people, you know, the tenants are paying down your debts for you. 
So when that property gets paid off at the end of the loan, you're essentially getting a pay raise because you don't have a mortgage payment anymore. Now you only got to worry about, you don't have to worry about principal and interest. You only have to worry about taxes and insurance. So that's a, that's a huge pay raise, right? So, you know, a lot of people that house hack, when they get into what the standard retirement age is, they're going to see a huge pay raise when these 30 year loans start getting paid off if they don't refinance multiple times. But even if they do, that's still leverage for being able to buy other properties. With a house hack, when you were looking for a real estate agent, was there any specific criteria that you were looking for in an agent? What was the whole experience of finding a real estate agent like? Okay, guys, we got to be honest here. Rent Ready is a property management software that is truly working to elevate the entire renting experience for landlords and tenants. But this isn't just a boring old podcast ad about how you can manage all your units, maintenance, screening, leases, tenants, and rent using Rent Ready's mobile app. No, this podcast ad is a secret because this month, Rent Ready is releasing a game changing feature that will save you a whole lot of time and headache when it comes to crunching numbers on your rentals. But we can't share it just yet. Make sure you stay tuned to the House Hacking Success podcast for that surprise reveal. Because we have it on good authority that Rent Ready will be letting our listeners know once the top secret feature is ready. In the meantime, if you're looking to get started using Rent Ready's powerhouse of a platform, get signed up and save 50% off any Rent Ready plan using our special code SUCCESS. That's 50% off any Rent Ready plan when you sign up using our code SUCCESS at rentready.com. Go to R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. Use code SUCCESS for 50% off any Rent Ready plan. Let's get back to the show. With a house hack, when you were looking for a real estate agent, was there any specific criteria that you were looking for in an agent? What was the whole experience of finding a real estate agent like? So basically, I was just looking for any real estate agent that is investor friendly. So as to know what to do and also guide me in respect to what to do. And basically, my agent actually even pointed the point, uh, brought out a very good point to me in that uh, it's only an FHA loan you can use for a house hack. Most of that, I was basically leaning towards, because I play around with a lot of things. I was using like three agents to look at the markets without signing any contract with them. The other two, they were just basically, oh, you can use a 3.5% or 5% on a conventional loan, which I know is possible if you get the right lender. But most people wouldn't want to do that. So yeah, that was one of the good things with my agent. And she was this kind of person that if you text 10 p.m., she's going to still text you back and trying to get results and answers for you. So she was really helpful. Yeah, it's super important important to find a investor-friendly agent, you know, because they're going to know about your market. They're going to know investing strategies. They're going to look at houses through a lens that standard real estate agents aren't going to look at, where they're just, you know, standard looking for someone's dream home, looking for a place to live. When you start looking at duplexes, they might not see the see things the same way that investor-friendly agent. Was there any like specific way? Like how did you end up finding an investor-friendly agent? Well, Sometimes they're pretty hard to find for a lot of people. So basically my CPA is also a real estate agent, but he's a real estate agent in a different city, Tucson, like an hour and a half away. So he hooked me up with someone who was an investor-friendly agent in Phoenix, an added advantage in that respect. Yeah. But all that means to get an investor-friendly agent, I don't know if you've heard of Bigger Pockets. also you can probably go there. But the main thing, it also boils down to interview.
interviewing people because I still got some agents from bigger pockets. I mentioned I was using three agents before. Some of them willing to work with me the way I wanted to work with them. So you still have to, even if you get them on bigger pockets or wherever, you still have to interview them to see if they fit your own criteria. Because like me, I'm a nocturnal human. I have odd hours of sleep and everything. In the afternoon, you might catch me sleeping. In the night and in the morning, I'm fully awake. So I want to text you and I want you to reply, but it doesn't work for everybody. So you just got to be, you know what you're looking for. Yeah, of course. We were talking earlier and you were talking about how you were kind of calculating your retirement and you realized that like, you know, it might not happen as soon as you were hoping or you might run out of money. And that's kind of what started this whole journey for you. If other people that haven't really considered retirement or what that's going to look like, what advice do you have for them as far as looking at their financials and figuring out what it's going to take for them to retire? That's a very good question, Drew. So basically, I love to talk to people way older than me. I think it's because I was the fourth born in the house of five and I had older brothers. So I kind of made friends with people usually older than me. And the advice I would give anyone who is scared of going into real estate or thinking about retirement and scared about is talk to people who are older than you want. Because once you start seeing people who are older than you and you only have four one kids, then you get to understand that, yeah, those guys are actually really scared of retirement. And that it will spoil you to motivate you to do things you don't want to do. And uh, another funny aspect I also was privy to, to get was the fact that uh, before I got my job as an engineer, I worked in a pharmacy. I was a pharmacy tech so for like a month or so. During the training, I sat down with a lady, a nice lady like this. So she was on a call, an elderly guy who called. He was the Medicaid or something. I don't know whether Medicaid or Medicare, one of them for older people. And he was literally crying on the phone because he couldn't afford his medication. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be in that position when I'm old because that's the number one scale of people who are older, the ability to run out of money. And uh, imagine if you're diabetic or something and you, you cannot afford your medication and Medicare or Medicaid or whatever is not willing to pay for it because they see it as an accessory or whatever, then what do you do? You just patiently sleep on your bed and wait to die. So those kind of things got me thinking and uh, no one is guaranteed good health at old age. That is the number one thing you should always remember. No one is guaranteed good health at old age. You might be 100% healthy right now at old age. Just you sit down wrongly or you do something wrongly, then that one bone breaks, you need a surgery and the surgery literally drains out your whole 401k and you'll be in limbo. So those were the main reasons I started uh, looking for alternative methods, not just depending on the 401k. And I'm very sure you're a millennial and no millennial is guaranteed of social security. Because if you can even literally Google it, social security is going to run out of money in the next 10 years, 10, nine years or two. So what's going to happen? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's one of the things that drives me too, is just like, I don't want to sit there and just depend on a company's 401k or social security, which might not be available when I'm older. You know, I want to make sure that I'm able to retire, no problem. But I think a lot of things that motivate like probably you and me and everybody that's listening to this podcast too is, you know, maybe that ability to retire earlier. And even if that's pursuing a passion, I know a lot of people who house hack and have bought rental properties and then they've completely changed careers, which they wouldn't have been able to do before because of the pay cut that it might take in switching careers not having enough experience, but now they're able to do that completely risk-free and pursue a more passionable job because of it. Freedom that real estate provides. That's true. Absolutely. So you came to the U.S. from Nigeria. How old were you when you moved here? I was 19. 19. (laughs) Funny enough, you mentioned that. So basically... 
when I was coming to the US, man, I was a go-getter. I was telling myself that, man, it's going to be hard, but I can do it. And I was listening to this song. What's his name? Made in America. Kanye West and Jay-Z, man. This yeah. song kept on, I was listening on the plane. It kept on inspiring me, inspiring me. And I was like, man, but I have to do whatever it takes. And hopefully we get there for one of these days. That's very cool. Did you come out here by yourself? Yeah, I did come out again by myself. That's amazing. So for anyone that might be in a similar position, what advice do you have for them? What could they do to kind of follow your footsteps? Because you're already seeing a lot of success. You went and got bachelor's, master's degree. You know, you're investing in real estate now and things are going really well for you. So what advice do you have? A hundred percent. I wouldn't say things are going really well for me because as a real, I don't just want to psych people up to feel that as a real estate <laughs> investor, everything goes well for you there. Here and there, you get some like, altogether, I've gotten one complaint from my tenants with respect to the AC and that were just all true. So in one year I had a one complaint so basically people in my shoes the main advice I would give you is hang out with people who inspire you and necessarily it might not be your age mates because most of your age mates all they want to do is drink and go to the club which I'm not 100% against you can do it here and there but if that's your 100% focus then man you're deceiving yourself so stay with people who inspire you one and also two try to read a lot and as a student you can save money I know I didn't save money as a student because I was dumb but as a student you can save money even if it's $20 a month or whatever try to save also too try to save that, that is just the few advice I would give and read a lot on uh, what you, you want to do later on down the road very cool yeah so as far as reading is there any uh, specific books or reading material that you would recommend so basically I would recommend two one is just a general business book. It was written in the uh, 1800, sorry, in the early 1900s. That's uh, 1812 or so. It was written by George Clemson or so. I'm not 100% sure on the name, but the name of the book is The Richest Man in Babylon. I don't know if you read it before, but mm-hmm. man, that book, it's, it's eye-opening. It literally shows you how a nobody can be somebody if you follow the certain principles. Then the other book I would recommend is Buy It, Rent It, and Profit. It's M. Chavez. He's out in Florida. So basically, he still talks about house hacking and everything so he stipulates how to calculate the deal analyze your markets and he give good examples on how to analyze your markets like for example let me give you one of my examples of how i analyze the markets you have to treat your market as a big business like for example walmart if you go to walmart in the summer around that june july period all you will see is grills charcoals and everything that's all they sell if you go in during october all those grills charcoals and everything they will be removed all you will see is halloween costumes so if you go in december all you see is christmas trees and everything so basically you have to fine-tune your business to be able to follow whatever trend is going that's how i see so you have to analyze the market in that kind of perspective very cool i like that analogy that's awesome as far as real estate investing in the future what kind of goals do you have for uh, the long term basically i like positivity i like being passive in everything i do and i have discovered people have been using it but i think my next option is to get going to mobile home parks there's a ton of passive investment in that sector in the fact that once you buy a mobile home park most of the times you can usually buy it with respect to the tenant owning the house so you don't have to do any form of repairs or anything all you need to do is just maintain probably the road which is probably maintained by the city or uh, here and there once every 20 or 30 years the plumbing or the, the electrical so i don't know if you've seen out like told me out in michigan i'm very sure there are mobile home parks there and those houses those manufactured homes are owned by the tenant so if their ac goes 
out, their plumbing goes out. You don't have to do anything about it. You dust your hands completely of it. All they yeah. do is they, they pay you rent for leasing the land and you have like 15 or 20 or 30 of them or whatever per pack. That's a good chunk. And basically you're doing nothing and you're just collecting stream of income. That's a very good strategy. I know Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets. He's a big advocate of mobile home parks. I've heard many times Warren Buffett is an investor in mobile home parks. You know, if those two guys are going there, there must be something good there. So funny enough, the person that actually even got me into investing, think about mobile home parks is uh, Sam Zell. I think he's out of Chicago. So he's a real estate billionaire. So what almost $4 billion or so. So basically he has, uh, yeah, he used to, back in the 90s or so, he had a lot of uh, mobile home parks in, out in Florida. And in his book, he defined out how easy it is to use. And a lot of investors are not even looking at it. And the funny thing is that to even get a lending for financing for mobile home parks, you have to start digging so deep down because most banks don't even know that they offer it, which is funny. That's interesting. Cool. So, you know, as someone who came to, you know, you completely changed countries at 19 years old, you went to school, you got a bachelor's, master's, you ended up moving, starting a house hack. Like what motivated you? Like, how did you stay motivated to keep completing these achievements and to keep going? And what motivates you to keep moving forward? So basically motivation is, to me, the way I see motivation is like it's taking a shower, taking a bath. You have to keep motivating yourself because you can't stay motivated forever. Some days you are downtrodden and everything. But what keeps motivating me is one, the fact that I surround myself with people who affect me positively. That's the key, number one. Because if you surround yourself with people who motivate you, especially older people, they tend to tell you how it is. They don't sugarcoat it. And if they see you going down the line, they basically tell you that, oh yeah, what you're doing is wrong. Another factor that motivates me is I want to live long, man. And I want to enjoy life. Life is all about enjoyment. And the fact that if you don't have money, don't get me wrong, money does not bring happiness. And so in that line, poverty does not actually bring happiness to most times poverty brings a lot of more sadness than happiness and uh, if you have money you'll be able to do a lot of things you can do so you don't want to be at an old age at, at an age and that you can't afford a medication or a surgery or whatever down the line so those are the two motivating factors with me and uh, knowing that i have also parents that are older too and seeing how because my parents basically just my dad he had some investments back home in nigeria but my mom was just w2 w2 employee and after she retired money started becoming hard for us it's different so you learn from people's examples and uh, you don't just want to live that kind of lifestyle yeah you know i've seen the same thing too like i've seen people retire and then months later they're working part-time like my old job like i've seen people come back to that job working uh part-time even like 10 to 20 hours a week just as supplemental income because they didn't realize that what they were going to get in retirement wasn't going to be enough to keep up with their current living standards so funny enough you ever mentioned that some people might think that, oh, as an engineer or as a doctor or as a lawyer, oh, you don't have to worry about that's a blatant lie. Inflation is going to uh, literally pick your pocket because whatever something costs today is going to cost more. Let me just give you a practical example. There's this oatmeal raisin cookies I used to love from Walmart when I first came in the US in 2011. It used to be 99 cents. In five years, it was $1.50 or so, and they've reduced the amount. If you calculate the inflation and everything, this is just cookies and whatnot so basically if you don't invest in inflation it's going to beat you down and even if you're a lawyer you're a doctor because even at my job i still see people who are older as engineers and made that should have made enough money to retire they still come back as contractors after they've retired so it's inflation is the, is the silent thief and uh, no one that is working a w2 job can basically stay free from the fact that he can escape inflation yeah that's such a good point i remember when the dollar menu was the dollar menu and now it's dollar 89 menu <laughs> funny enough you ever 
mentioned that I read the news that Dollar Tree is changing. Uh, they're no longer Dollar Tree. They're going to be increasing their prices due to inflation. <laughs> you mean two Dollar Tree? If you just stay on the sidelines, man, inflation is going to do you dirty. It's going to do you dirty. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You know, that's why you know, like us having our money in real estate is really good because real estate is going. The prices in real estate, they're going to adjust to inflation. Rent rates are going to adjust for inflation. But if you're just sitting on the cash and not really putting it anywhere, that money is being devalued essentially by the day as things inflate. Especially you know, in the last year, we've seen the government print out a lot of money. That's going to cause a lot of inflation. And who knows? You know, I'm almost 30. By the time I'm 60, who knows what tax rate's going to be, what inflation is going to be like, and what's going to happen to the US dollar. I mean, you know, if you look over the last 30 years, I mean, inflation has been huge. So so, so basically, you said you're 30 in the next 30 years. So just imagine this. You're 30 now. You're renting out what they call is one of your sections of your duplex. So just imagine in the next 15 years, what would that rent will be like in the next 15 years and compare it with how much you'll be making if you just still stay at your W-2 job without investing. So basically, the rent is going to foreverly go up. And then your W-2 just climb like 2-3% every year. And investing is the way to go, man. Just try to start out with, it, with a house hack. Yeah, 100%. And you know, if you're investing in assets, too, and something happens to the US dollar and Bitcoin becomes our new currency or whatever it is that you know could happen. If something crazy happens, you don't have to really worry about it. You mm-hmm. have assets and land, even stocks too. Like it's the same thing, like gold, silver. Like if you have these assets, it doesn't matter what happens to the US dollar because you know you can just start receiving payments in yeah. the new form of currency or whatever it happens if things become more digitalized, which I think is a very strong possibility. But if you're just sitting on a pile of US dollars or, you know, not saving or investing at all, and something might happen to the US dollar, you know, it could be bad news for you. That's actually very true. And I agree with that. Awesome. Cool. Before we start closing it up, is there any other advice that you'd like to offer to our listeners? It could be anything about investing, mentality, anything that you'd like. So basically, with respect to investing, uh, uh, let me offer an advice with respect to investing. And uh, it will just be succinct, short and simple. Anyone can invest. And I would tell you this, America is flowing with milk and honey and it's the land of opportunities literally speaking you can literally buy a duplex for zero dollar down and google this thing a NACA loan n-a-c-a get that loan it might take a process but you literally you don't have to come out of pockets from anything like an fha loan which you have to put 3.5 percent down but with a NACA loan you don't have to do any of that so i don't see an excuse why anyone can invest or you might say you don't want to change toilets down the line blah blah as a landlord i don't change toilets you might if you stick with your w2 job and in retirement you might end up changing toilets but if you invest definitely you will have something to hold on towards your retirement and everything so start with a NACA loan or something if you cannot afford the down payment and the other thing i want to talk about is inflation and taxes they both go hand in hand yeah basically like husband and wife once inflation starts coming up the government increases taxes and you can even see the news joe biden is about to increase taxes and he's even trying to monitor any payments you make on your cash app venmo paypal or whatever so house hacking or real estate defeats those two purposes it reduces your taxes one and it keeps up with inflation so i don't see a reason why you don't want to invest so those are the basic advice i would like to give 
give. I love it. That's really good advice. And to add on to what you said about taxes and taxes going up, you know, if you're blindly depending on your 401k to cover your retirement, that money isn't taxed until you withdraw. So what's going to happen? You know, who knows what the tax rates could be? It could go way up and it's trending up. Like we are heading towards the direction where it's going up. So I'm not saying don't invest in your 401k. I'm not saying necessarily it's a bad investment. It might be a great investment for people, especially when you got company matches and stuff like that. But it might not be the best investment to be 100% dependent on for retirement. And thank you. You bring up that point. I myself, I do have a 401k. That's not my my mix. I depend mm-hmm. on basically because I, there's this show on Netflix. I think it's Money Explained. If, if you have some time, look it up. It actually explains that the 401k was not this, uh, created. The person who actually created the 401ks in the whether 70s or the 80s, it was not actually created for retirement. It was just like a means to help out with retirement. So these days, everyone is just putting their whole, building their whole retirement on 401k. And the person who actually originated it, they didn't originate it for, for that purpose. But yes, I do have a 401k. It's a good start. And everyone cannot be an amateur for life. If you're an amateur for life, then there's no progress. 401k is a good start, but man, you got to take all the options too. Awesome. What's that series called? Money Explained. All right, cool. So I got a few closing questions for you before we finish the podcast. First one is, what is your favorite business or real estate book? I have two for both and I quoted them earlier, but my favorite business book is uh, Richest Man in Babylon. Basically that book made me. Then favorite real estate book for this moment, because it changes every now and then, is a buys, rents, and profits. Cool. And then what is the difference between people who are actually house hacking and those who want to, but they aren't taking action? The difference I see between people who are house hacking and those who want to and and not taking action is motivation and, and actually making the decision. Because as at one point in my life, I was scared to house hack because I was wondering what would my tenant do, blah, 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 blah. But I put myself and I said, let me make this decision to try it for, out for one year. If it doesn't work out for me in one year, get out of it. But I'm still in it and I've been for one year now. Yeah, I love <laughs> so, that attitude. That's such so, a good point. So make that decision and stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, if, if it doesn't work out, if you don't like it, if it's not for you, it doesn't have to last forever. You can yep. get out, you can make the house a rental, you can sell the house. Like, That's right. It's always an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, Ortefe, I really appreciate you coming on the show. One last question before we go. If people want to reach out to you or follow you, where can they find out more about you? So basically, I'm big on Instagram right now and uh, I'll soon be creating my own YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Nigerian on American Real Estate. So so you can follow me on Nigerian on American real estate on Instagram. Awesome. Very cool. We'll throw the links in the description so everyone can uh, go there, click on the links and go follow. All right. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I love your story. And thank you so much for bringing your knowledge and advice to our show. Thank you, Drew. All right. Have a great day. Okay. You too.